0: Hack your mind, and hack the world. Aloha, multidimensional friends, shifters, dreamers from all across this holographic matrix. This is Brendan, a.k.a. Wolfshield, a.k.a. Skull Babylon, Mystic Spider-Man, welcoming you to the premiere episode one of leading the shift thank you so much for being here this is going to be a great opportunity for us to be able to come together this is what we are doing we are providing you with insightful and inspirational discussion to help you activate into your potential and step into your self-mastery of course this is presented on behalf of paradigmshiftcentral.com a real world interactive game to be able to help assist with the shift in consciousness and within this this is us really going back to our roots in terms of those of you who have seen Paradigm shift radio way back when we started in 2011 2012 and really focusing on those one-to-one discussions those interviews bringing on people within the community who are rocking it who are creators entrepreneurs who got some wisdom to be able to share with you and so for today's episode episode one of leading the shift we have our friend Ben Switzer joining us. Ben, the Neurohacker Switzer. Thank you so much, Ben. Ben, go ahead and unmute yourself and say aloha to those of the people tuned in.
1: I'm looking forward to a cool
0: discussion. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ben. It's an honor to be able to have you here and we'll get right into this in terms of the format that we're working with here on leading the ship. Really going to keep things less than 90 minutes. So what we're going to be doing with this in future episodes, it'll be a chance for the person to be able to share a little bit about what they do, what they're passionate about, what their story is in the sense of allowing you to be able to see yourself through their story and then as well as their services and then what is the wisdom that they have for the people people listening to this so that you the listener you the viewer you our friend can be able to take practical tips practical insight and inspiration from this apply it to your life and go out there and Go kick some butt, shift those paradigms, as as we normally say. So, Ben, go ahead and introduce yourself. As I said, you're a neurohacker, so please tell us a little a little bit about what a neurohacker neurohacker neuro is. And just before I even pass the talking stick, just as a, a little bit back, a little stepping back in terms of the context, uh, Ben is a local friend from London, Ontario, Canada, which is where we are broadcasting from, and we've run into each other numerous times I've actually been to several of Ben's events where he's taught other people about neurohacking, he's done numerous speaking engagements, he runs his own company which is Motivate Studios and we'll find the you'll find the links for those in the information for this video. And at the event, I was getting a lot of valuable information about just changing the way we think, changing the way of how we can relate to our mind and relate to the world and again, reclaim our sovereignty. So Ben, passing the talking stick over to you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and and what neurohacking is
1: yeah so thanks um you know who who i am is i guess what neurohacking is also uh they're kind of one in the same um you know as as we said my name is ben switzer uh i first became interested in the concept of neurohacking by accident i actually stumbled uh onto the field because i was researching uh artificial intelligence i was Actually, writing science fiction. Uh, I was super interested in creating stories uh, in which there were these artificially intelligent people, and uh, I felt it was the right thing to do to learn more about exactly how machines think. And then, you know, if you go and you look into the, the science of AI, um, it's all based on this concept called an artificial neural network. And so then I kind of went down this series of rabbit holes. Um, trying to under- better understand artificial neural networks by understanding real neural networks and how neural networks function uh, in the human brain, in the animal uh, kingdom as well, kind of trying to discover the universal principles of learning through that process. Um, so this was all for the, just for the purposes of creating good science fiction. Um, and then circumstances in my life began to change quite dramatically. I became very sick with... Uh, Lyme disease. Uh, if you've if you've ever heard of Lyme disease, it is a tick-borne uh, bacterial infection. It's you can get it from just getting a, a single tick bite. I was 19 years old at the time and just camping with some friends, you know, playing frisbee golf, drinking beers, having a good time. And then uh, you know i was bitten by this tick, and I didn't know anything about Lyme disease back then. It wasn't as well known back then, and you know at that time. My life was on this path, and I was like, I'm gonna become a lawyer. And you know, I was running marathons, and you know, I was kind of in my own head. It's like very egotistical um, and not too many concerns about other people, or even too much concern about myself at that time. I was, you know, basically still a teenager. And then um, I became progressively more sick over time. So I started to notice symptoms were beginning to emerge, came first physical. Uh, Like joint pain, rashes, stuff like that, like fevers. And then, as it spread, it started to spread through my nervous system into my brain. I began to have profound neurological symptoms as well. Uh, You know, uh, convulsions and seizures, memory loss, confusion, uh, depression, and bipolar kind of symptoms. You know, if if you look deeply into Lyme disease, they it's it's often referred to as the great mimicker because it's notoriously hard to diagnose because it looks like other diseases. So you'll come in and you'll be like, this looks like malaria or it looks like bipolar disorder or it looks like fibromyalgia. And depending on the specialist that you go to, um, they'll have a certain per- diagnostic preference. And so as a result of that, I was, I was sick for about eight years um, going through that process before... I was diagnosed and treated and then during that time as well um, I had traumatic events in my family. My brother was was killed by a drunk driver Uh, and having to to cope with the disease and with the grief was like ego destruction for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So that like 19 year old kid who was very inside his own head, very like egotistical, um, kind of disappeared and was destroyed. Um, and then as I was going over the, through the years, I, I never lost my interest in neuroscience and psychology. Um, and because of my memory problems, uh, I, I knew the information was re- important, but I couldn't recall it. So I began to create an archive. Um, that archive still exists. It is the true focus. That's the name of my neurohacking service archive. Um, and I drew from the archive in order to create a rehabilitation program, because I was actually cured of Lyme disease through a blood infusion. Um, and a blood infusion is where they, they kind of they take a quart of blood out of your body, uh, they put substance in it. For in my case, it was ozone, so oxygen three, and then they reinfuse the blood back into my body. I had that procedure done. Uh, four or five times over the course of about six months, and um, I was completely cured um, of, the, of Lyme disease. However, um, I still had the neurological damage. So, you know, the part of my brain that was most implicated was the frontal lobes and also the hippocampus. Now, the frontal lobes are mostly associated with uh, reasoning, judgment, planning, um, risk evaluation and judgment, um, inhibition as well, and in the midbrain where the hippocampus is, it's like your memory, um, it's spatial navigation, it performs a lot of functions related to learning and sleep as well. So in any event, um, I came across the work and I'll encourage you to, I'm going to mention a couple books during this talk Um, that I would really encourage you to check out. Um, The first one is uh, The Brain That Changes Itself. It's a book by Norman Deutsch, D-O-I-D-G-E. He's a medical doctor, and I believe he's a Canadian doctor, and his specialty is neurology. Um, And he really talks about this emerging concept, and it's it's one that I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about tonight, uh, called neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity is this idea that the brain is constantly evolving and changing, um, even well into adulthood, um, even if there is brain damage. Um, areas of the brain that are kind of proximal to the area of damage can overgrow it and ma- and maintain its function. Um, so when I discovered Norman Doidge's book, there were kind of two important revelations. And one of the revelations is probably the, still the most important that I have had as a neurohacker. And the first revelation is that because the brain can change itself, it means that your thoughts can change your neuroanatomy, and your neuroanatomy facilitates the change of your thoughts. So it's a positive feedback loop, not unlike compound interest. Um, And it's related to this notion of, uh, it's an interesting phenomenon. If you look outside of neurological systems, what happens when you have a system um, that's sort of going in one direction, like that, and then you invert the direction, um, it can produce a state change, almost like a morphism, as it's called, in topology, it's like a field of mathematics. And so I kind of wanted to touch on how what I discovered was that when I moved my attention inward, that I was able to influence the quality of my, my own thoughts in this runaway exponential process of self-improvement, self-design, self-mastery, that was catalyzed by this discovery of neuroplasticity, because, you know, up until that point, I had been, you know, I had encountered experts who had counseled me to cope um, with the symptoms as they were, to accept uh, that, you know, you're, I'm brain injured, and, you know, that's it. It's like, you know, your leg hurts, get a cane. Um, Now you have a cane for the rest of your life. Uh, And that kind of self-defeating philosophy was very damaging to my psyche. But when I discovered this notion that change was possible, it unlocked this revelation that, you know, seven or eight years of collecting um, exotic neuroscientific information on how neural networks function could actually be applied to my specific problem. And it was at that moment that I created the uh, neurorehabilitation program that um, currently is is called True Focus. Um, And I had a profound recovery. I I was using a range of modalities from electrical stimulation, something called transcranial direct current stimulation to photic, uh, it's called photobiomodulation using uh, low infrared laser light to promote energy levels of oxygen for mitochondrial consumption, um, down to like, so those being the most, uh, I guess, technologically invasive, down to mindfulness-based meditation, uh, deep meditative practices, therapy, I, I went through something called EMDR, which is ex- was extremely beneficial from the perspective of my grief. Um, and if you've never heard of EMDR, it's eye movement reprocessing and desensitization. It's a process of re-encoding traumatic memories within a new context. So it's kind of like an elite form of therapy um, is therapist-assisted neurohacking. Um, and you know, EMDR was really special for me because it taught me how to leverage the power of my imagination to create the thoughts that I needed. In order to excel Um, and since that time uh, you know I I modified the program it's not just for brain rehabilitation like if you're injured or um, if you've experienced trauma and you know like PTSD trauma it presents on brain scans like an injury in the brain um, where the actual brain cells are damaged Uh, I modified the program to have other functions such as increasing intelligence such as promoting Uh, improved mood, motivation, uh, greater resilience uh, so you're less reactive to negative stimuli so you can handle more um, and you rest and recover faster, Uh, you have more energy because you have less tension and you have uh, less fear, less guilt, the negative emotions are like physical tension you can imagine walking around during your day constantly tense, it requires more energy uh, in terms of like oxygen and glucose than it would if you were relaxed. Um, same way, if you've ever seen boxers, top top tier boxers and and mixed martial arts fighters, they learn not to gas out because they stay relaxed, they stay loose, um, and they do that to avoid adrenal dump. Because if you get enraged, you become tense, and then you burn energy way faster, and then the gas tank goes out. So it's like kind of cool stuff like that I was experimenting with, mm-hmm. and then you know other people. Uh, I started to encounter other people who were struggling and then um, you know I was like well I tried this thing and it really helped me maybe this will work for you and I found that it actually was working for them so I continued to develop it make it more sophisticated um, and that was a process of about five or six years of of developing it um, until it's as it it is now which is a, a product and that's kind of What neural hacking is, is applying neuroscience, applying psychology to uh, self-directed change. And as it is right now, the program is like basically two months of training, daily training, anywhere between half an hour to an hour. The more training, the more results. Uh, I do like one-on-one coaching, as well as I do psycho, um, I go do psychometric analysis before the program and then gather the data customize and design the program based on the results of the, of the analysis and then create a customized schedule and program for the person and then I coach and facilitate them through the course of the two months in like weekly Skype chats or I meet up with them and then uh, after the point of two months you already know the program you don't need me anymore and that's where I really liked your use of the word sovereignty because it really is brain sovereignty this program it's not a pill they're like you're gonna need to come keep coming back to me for me to give you the pill it's it's knowledge that becomes so embodied in your habits and practices that you don't require those external systems you just know what to do
0: mm-hmm. awesome ben thank you thank you so much again for for sharing that and you know I for, for, for myself, at least, and, and maybe, you know, other people can kind of like resonate with what I'm saying here. There's this very, very powerful idea that, you know, anything we're brought to is meant for us to go through sort of thing. And so, you know, from like some perspective, like there's a very, very powerful powerful story that, that, that you have, that you have experienced. And and it's one that has a purpose, one that is, you know, bigger than yourself. And we hear that all the time is that, you know, oftentimes we will go through our hardships and yet our hardships are, are not just for us like they're they're for they're for us to grow through but then for us to be able to teach others how to be able to you know move through their own challenges and move into their own resilience and everything like that so I mean seriously just like thank you again not only for sharing your story but for also just expressing your your own resilience and in, in what it is that you've gone through and really being able to see that light at the end of the tunnel that has carried you to where you are now and then passing that torch so that you can continue to help others and you know with uh just painting a little bit of a picture in terms of like what else we'll be able to get into during this uh conversation uh one of the things we'll be able to talk about is you know even just like the what what the future landscapes look like in terms of like techno culture and mindfulness and virtual reality and you know shout out to our friends at v arcadia of course here in london (laughs) and you know one of the things that i just kind of wanted to um bring the topic into is this idea that you know why do you feel that the the work that you have been doing in relation to neurohacking and teaching people how to reprogram their mind how is that even more relevant today based on like the landscape of the culture that we are in and 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 I mean that in terms of you know people just like having addictions to technology and our relationship and just how we are constantly hardwired based or how we are constantly being wired by our by our media and by our culture and by our peers and everything like that I mean surely that in itself is, is a part of the reason why you want to be able to step into what you're doing, because there is there is a problem. There there's a problem with our culture. There is a sickness in, in a way, and yet there is a solution. And 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 it's things such as people just being aware of that. There are these resources available, such as the resources you apply you you apply to the work that you give to your clients and and to the community as well but yeah give me give me your thoughts on just kind of like why your work is incredibly relevant and useful relative to you know the Western culture that we are in and kind of what we're looking at from a bigger picture and you know what the future might look like.
1: That was just an amazing question um and I, I think that it's particularly important because of the way that we've structured our society is based on consumption, um, and the act of consumption is an interesting thing for the for the human brain to process, because there's typically two contexts in which people consume. Um, one is a conscious consumption, and the other is an, an avoidance paradigm of consumption. Um, so uh, uh, the most common um, the most common consumption patterns I see are as a result of Avoiding uh, neurotic thoughts, uh, so it's fears, guilt, self-doubt, self-hatred, anger. You know, pe- you know, people drink, they smoke weed, in ec- in excess. Uh, you know, they like watch Netflix. You know, the the cell phones are probably the mo- the most uh, sinister and least talked about manifestation. I think that, and that's as a result of you know going back to neural networks, how they function is they learn based on avoidance and reward. There's two directions. Um, and so reinforcement of behaviors, it follows those two directions. And when you kind of gain an understanding of that and you cultivate an awareness, you're able to, to harvest the potential of those two directions in order to change your own behaviors. So you'll be able to begin you know, self-selecting goals, or where it's like, well, I don't wanna drink as much, you know, the and you know, one way to that people look at doing that is like AA, or you know, the a lot of people they feel guilty about the, the flaws that they have, their perceived flaws, but that negativity that they've assigned to themselves is actually an avo- They're have, practicing an avoidance behavior, so they're not being generous in their self growth and development, they're not uh, rewarding themselves. Through the stories that they tell themselves about themselves, you know, you have to create a template for the person that you would like to be and then create a relationship with that person and a negotiation. Like I always tell my clients, you can't be a tyrant and a slave at the same time. That's a quote from Jordan Peterson (laughs) Um, because you have to have a context in which you're being gentle with yourself, but you're also being kind of stern. And I think that this particular time, in terms of technoculture, it's like we have these ancient mammalian neural network systems that are highly attuned to reward. And these devices have been engineered um, to a high level of precision and reinforced by the most powerful machine learning architectures in, uh, you know, possible. I, I don't want to say in history because... It's always the most powerful in history, which is another strange thing. It's like these devices are attuned to our limbic system, to our reward responses that are generated as a result of interactivity with them. So, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, it's we're cybernetically, we're cybernetically fused with this on the levels of meta information that are flowing between them. And there's a degree of of control and power that we relinquish to the device, which we relinquish Uh, Willingly in fact like things like push notification is You surrendering control of your attention and awareness and behavior to the device and in some instances that's actually very useful like Like for me as an entrepreneur I need to know when I get an email, but like the website going down or if I get an important uh, stakeholder that's trying to reach me um, Like I want to know immediately because so I can respond with agility and at the same time, like, I want to know certain things in the news what's going on. So they're extremely beneficial devices, but at the same time, you can get into these same feedback loops. And, the, and if you can think of it this way, the neural networks in your brain and the neural networks in the software architectures of, like, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they become interlinked such that the AI... behavior which is engagement and and that's the language <laughs> they use the word engagement in um, in software design but it's actually addiction there's no distinction between <clears> the two because they're trying to increase your usage of the particular application I mean, now you're seeing like you're seeing these kind of downstream solutions where it's like oh let's put a thing on your phone that will limit your usage but the the upstream solution is actually neurohacking, which is to cultivate an awareness of consumption that is happening in real time. And then you're able to identify threats um, against the sovereignty of your attention much sooner than you normally would um, with an an assistive device. Now that's that's also changing, and that's something we're actually working on at Motivate Studios, which is my technology startup. Um, We're developing video games that promote wellness and mental health, particularly concerned with children because they're the most developmentally vulnerable to these systems of engagement. Um, And we want to try to counteract that kind of using the same methodology, like the algorithms are similar in terms of um, behavioral reinforcement and modification, but the behavioral reinforcement and modification is designed to improve attention to improve focus, to direct their attention inwardly for self-reflection, and sort of some of the stuff from neurohacking, you know, you know what it was that happened was I was working with kids, right? So I was applying my program to kids with ADHD um, who are all who are all addicted to video games. Uh, the ones that I was working with just happened to be, but different manifestations of addiction occurred as well: food, drink, like whatever. You see it um, all the time. Anything pr- sufficiently enjoyable that produces dopamine in the brain can become an addiction and beca- can become health- unhealthy in excess. But in any event, I was working with these kids with ADHD and I was realizing how bad the problem really was and that I was actually one of those kids as well. And then I was thinking about like, what's the best delivery system for this that will motivate them to interface with these activities that make them better Because I found that, like, for instance, I was working with this kid and he was super passionate about robotics. It was his main interest. He just loved it. He wanted to learn everything about it. And so what I did, because I interview all my clients, right, to figure out what they're passionate about, I structured the program entirely around robotics and his love of robotics. In fact, setting up rewards and milestones in the program. It's like if you complete so many meditations or if you improve your score, on like a Stroop task, which is a task for inhibitory control, then I'll take you to a robotics class where you can learn about modeling parts and integrating parts for robotics. And so I structured the program around his passion and his interest, and he was extremely motivated. And I'll tell you, that kid, he is now off his his Adderall medication because he doesn't need any more. His grades went up 20% and he can drop into a meditation like that instant, and to top it all off, he can memorize 50 digits of pi forward, forwards and repeat it backwards to me in like 20 minutes later. So he, you know, and that's the way I structure the program, is like, you want to become a badass of robotics, this is how you do it, but you have to choose to do it. I'm not going to be co-opting your parents to make you do it. And that kind of, you know, what I realized was that engagement interest and attention are commodities. They're the most important part of what makes us engaged in our own lives. And then I ask the question of how do I scale this up because I can't just work with individual kids and expect to have the impact that I would like to see in the world. It needs to be something that I can scale to a global scale um, very quickly. And that's where kind of technology and gaming came in. <clears throat> So I don't know, circling back um, to the question, you know, why is this a unique time? Because for one thing, we're hyper-connected at the same time that we're hyper-isolated, and the technology is so powerful to modify our behavior that we can choose to, we can choose the suite of our modifications almost like we're customizing our notifications inside our phone, we should be able to customize our attention inside our own brain using the phone, using technology as the front-end interface to our own cybernetic augmentation.
0: Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. And and I think that kind of like sets us up uh, moving into what I would love to be able to focus on next, which is again, you know, like the practical things that we can share with our audience just that they can start incorporating today, you know, and, 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 um, even just talking about like the different states of the brain, like I, if you wanted to even just bring in, you know, like the Delta Theta Alpha Beta Gamma states, if it if, if, relative to the context of what we're talking about, if people, uh, if that would be, you know, beneficial to just explaining things a little bit more, but yeah, you know, like within, within the talks that I was at, like, there's a, a lot of valuable information, uh, kind of what you were saying of just like, being able to teach us of how to be able to drop into that meditative state and becoming familiar with it and like other methods of being able to train, like how to focus our attention and just being able to even manage our emotions as well. Like that was another part of it as well as kind of being able to, you know, see our emotions without shame, being able to see them as data. And I think like from the state of mindfulness, that's something that that I talk about as well is that, you know, oftentimes like we'll have, kind of the thought process is running in our brain but like that in itself can almost sometimes be like an old program so rather than like thinking that like you know people have heard this before thinking you are you are your thoughts it's actually no the thoughts are kind of just like a neurological signal an impulse firing off and then when we can kind of observe that we can choose like not to continuously feed it and when we feed it less, then we can kind of regain like that next step in terms of like, what do we want to focus on? So I mean, again, you know, the word focus, I I think is like such a powerful thing. So so what would you feel would be people uh, ideas that people can start thinking about that will help them, you know, reclaim more of their ability to focus if we want to focus in on that, so to speak, And, and anything else, any other practical tips that you want to pass on?
1: I'd say like generally speaking and I'll just I'll kind of lay out what the flow of self-optimization should be because I experimented with the different order in which to do things and the amounts to do things and like different parameters of training over the years and what I found first of all is that if you want to do if you want to engage in a process of neurohacking to increase your intelligence The first thing you actually need to do is address your issues of mood and your issues of emotion and your issues of security and stability. Like you're not going to be able to achieve an IQ increase of 10% if you don't have adequate nutrition, if you're not getting enough sleep, if your mood is is not stable. Um, And those are those are the issues you want to address immediately. And I usually for that reason, structure the program in such a way as to have those at the very beginning. Um, Now one one simple tip I'll give give to uh, those who are watching is take out a piece of paper and go through a process of identifying the things that you would like to change Um, and be honest, um, as honest as you possibly can, and then rank order them by the order of risk, so like how much is it impacting your life in a negative way, and also Rank order them by the ease by which you think you could change them. And you kind of cross-reference them. Find the thing that's harming you the most and that's the easiest to change and make that your first thing to do. Because when you're going through this process of self-reorganization, you'll feel more motivated if you're able to accomplish something early on. So, so I'll give you an example. For me, it was like, <clears throat> I was smoking a lot of weed um, when I was you know, going through. I had a lot of pain. I had a lot of grief. And it was like, Okay, I decided one day I'm going to smoke less weed. And then I was like, okay, so what are some some strategies that I can use to accomplish that? And one simple thing was like, all right, I always have my bomb sitting on my table right in front of me. So what if I just take it and put it farther away from me in like a little drawer or something? And that actually decreases the probability that I'm going to pick it up. So like little life hacks like that and thinking in terms of probabilities is a good way to kind of start. Because at first, you know, there's like techniques, right? Because like you, you're in the neurohacking series, you know, you learn techniques to improve cognitive function. But the first step is actually mindset shift, and that is, okay, I know I have the power to change my own mind. Step one. Once you feel, once you feel that strongly, that's a, an amazing epiphany. And then from there, it's you make yourself a list, and you're know, like, all right, I want to do this, this, and this, but not just what you want to do, how you want to feel, right? Like, you want to feel more engaged with your relationships. You want to feel happier. Well, sometimes that means, like, just getting therapy, you know, and sometimes it means talk, talking to someone. Sometimes it means going through and doing loving-kindness meditations, which is one of the most powerful emotional neurohacking um, techniques. And I'll give you guys a, uh, an example of how that works. Okay, so just like just like behaviors are reinforced through repetition, like many many repetitions of um, you know doing a line of cocaine will make you addicted to cocaine, um, just the same as that's true. Many many repetitions of feelings of love, feelings of compassion, feelings of self um, self confidence and self assurance. Um, those are like muscles that you lift. And it's interesting because what you'll find is your resistance. Like you'll be like, alright, I'm, I'm trying to create these feelings of self-acceptance, but you know you have these negative self-talk. It's like, I'm no good, whatever, whatever. And you'll have this resistance. And then so many repetitions, it just goes like this. and goes into a state shift. And all of a sudden, the path of least resistance for the brain is positivity. It's something in psychology called attribution bias. Effective attribution bias and it's cool when they when they do studies and they look at people's attribution biases They actually measure the movements of the eyes and the eyes reveal a lot about our biases and people who have depression have attention Attentional biases toward negatively valenced or just negative stimulus. So if I put four images on a screen and These two were like there's like a birthday cake. There's a puppy. There's like a flower and there's like a tank Someone with depression will actually have a preferential bias to look towards the tank that is unconscious and that is, that is instantiated in the micro The Tiny, tiny movements of the eye will actually move slightly more towards the negative stimulus. So you can actually reprogram the brain's perception of positive and negative through many, many repetitions. So you can do that just by like literally going into Google, typing in puppies and looking at pages of puppies you're going to increase the probability that you're going to experience good feelings. And that's a cheap hack. Like Googling puppies is a lot cheaper than SSRIs, and you can do it anywhere you go. The other trick I like is imagine yourself in a situation or pull up a memory in which you were competent, victorious, feeling happy, feeling connected, and embed yourself deeply within that memory and then what'll happen is, and this is this is an interesting phenomena of the top-down and bottom-up nature of the brain. So what you do is you're from the top down, you say, okay, I want to retrieve this memory. And so you're retrieving the memory, and the memory is like connected to these emotions, right? Like a like a web. And then as soon as you touch the memory, you've actually activated all of these other networks associated with the feelings. And then what you want to do is actually depart from the th- from the memory, from the thing, and anchor yourself in the feelings themselves. So now see if you can produce gratefulness without a specific memory, without a specific imagined event. It's difficult, but I'll tell you, two or three months of practicing this technique, you'll be able to spontaneously create gratefulness without any need for a stimulus to anchor you. And that can be extremely useful when you're in conflict with other people who are annoying, or frustrating, or like, Donald Trump as fuck. And you're like, I need to you know, create positivity right now. And so you can summon that um, as a as an emergent process because your body and brain are so well attuned to that feeling that you can just stimulate it. To your question of focus, like, I want to kind of talk about emotional um, perception and self-control first, which is like, Take, take some time to have a conversation with yourself and ask yourself what are the emotions that you want to have in your life and then what are the sources of those emotions. Okay, The second thing that you want to do before you even start your intense like Buddhist focus training is you want to increase the malleability of your brain through neurogenesis. And this is where the biohacking starts to come in. That's where things like, and I tell people like if I work with a client, and I'm like, hey, you need to get more sleep, you need to drink green tea, and you need to normalize your nutrition, and they tell me no. I'm like, well, then I'm not gonna work with you because there's no point. Because if you don't have a high degree of neurogenesis, then any training you go through is not gonna do anything. It's like you're going to the gym and working out and not eating any protein. All you're gonna do is actually damage the muscles. So the, the first kind of two steps are you normalizing your mood, you're providing security, because security for yourself, like financial, home, nutrition, sleep, all that stuff, that impacts your mental health in a major way. If you can normalize that stuff, you've like gone a long way to empowering yourself. And then it's like, what you wanna do is like, I think of it this way, there's two dimensions of neurohacking. There is normalization, which is, okay, I'm being negatively impacted by my emotions or by cognitive decline or cognitive toxicity and you want to bring yourself up to the baseline of normalcy, and then once you're there, that's when you can go beyond. But a lot of people, they, they're here, and they're like, well, I want to go beyond. And like, well, you need to just get yourself to a baseline first, and then you can go into the advanced levels of neurohacking. Um, so back to your question of focus. So there's a lot more to emotion, a lot more to biohacking. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into But to your point of focus, I'll, I'll teach you a really simple – um, focus training technique <clears throat> and this is this is just focus meditation in different forms but it's like putting your focus on the tip of your finger now you can close your eyes and you can actually try to put all the perception of your focus on the sensation of the air on your finger your fingertip and then what happens is when thoughts and things like that wander in this is your locus and that's an important word because you can have an infinite number of loci in your environment that you use to anchor your attention to and your focus to. It can be internal states of physical stimulus, like if I, if I tap my finger. It can be external stimulus, like a sound, like a singing bowl. It can be an emotional stimulus, like a feeling. It can also be a thought stimulus, like a memory or a mantra or an imagined orb of light. Uh, which is my personal favorite for uh, meditation. Um, so one way you, one way to improve your focus is a couple times a day, intentionally choose a locus in your perception, and perception is all encompassing of your environment and internal states. Choose a locus in your environment that's external. I, I, I like to have both, and you can do, uh, you can do what's called an eyes open. Buddhist meditation where you're just staring at the object as though you are expected to sketch it later on and your life depended on it. <laughs> um, the other option is to turn your focus into internal sensation, a physical sensation, or like uh like said a certain mantra, like love. You know, My, my mantra was always uh, transcend, um, but doing that a couple times a day, that's gonna strengthen that muscle of focus. And the other key, too, is your mind is inevitably going to wander. And it has to do with something called the default mode network. Default mode network is a distributed connectome that is in the brain. It's associated with mind-wandering, creativity, uh, daydreaming. It's also associated with imagining oneself in the future or past. And it's also associated with self-talk, which is a problem a lot of people have in modern society Particularly because we're we have social media reinforcing self-talk, um, so when we self-describe in a way that's externalized, we get rewarded for it. It's like very weird. Um, so that default mode network is sometimes useful because like if you're a creative person and you're like working on something cool, you can have a flash of inspiration that is like, oh yes, I'm going to create my magnum opus because I just had this realization. So it's important. But by the same token, if you're spending all your time recursively self-perceiving, self-talking, imagining yourself in future conversations, which a lot of people do, especially if you're an anxious person, then what you could want to do is actually move your attention to a locus in your environment. shuts off the DMN, and that shutting off of the the DMN actually connects the top part of your brain with the midbrain. And that midbrain-top brain communication network is called the corticothalamic loop, or more broadly speaking, the midbrain cortical loops that are nested in many areas of, of the higher cortical brain regions, they mitigate the unification of your unconscious and conscious mind. Or not mitigate, they are the vehicle of, of unification of your conscious and unconscious mind. And if those things are at odds, you'll get neuroses. Neuroses will emerge from that, that schism between um, the two parts of the brain and also the brain stem and the body If you're not embodied, if you're like in your head thinking all the time, overanalyzing people who have trouble sleeping because they think, 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 racing, this training will help them sleep because it shuts off that self-perceiving mechanism. So kind of just going back, find a locus in your environment, whether it's an internal state of sensation, internal thought, or an external uh, physical object. Completely move your focus onto it. And then sh- shift it if you want, um, but basically also not judging yourself when you're unable to focus. Um, because <laughs> judging yourself is default mode network. So you're kind of like putting yourself at a disadvantage when you do that. So you want to kind of be gentle, especially when you're starting out because it's gonna be difficult. I always say that you know it, even if you meditate for only a second out of a half hour meditation, you have just begun the, the process of training and your practice has begun, truly begun. As long as you can have a moment of conscious attention. And that can be, and some people that are as extreme as to have, let's say, autism spectrum disorder, it's very, very difficult for them because they're overwhelmed by stimuli. But if they can meditate for one second, they can meditate for 10. If you can meditate for 10, you can meditate for 60. And that's kind of how you have to think about it and you push yourself. But this is another point. When your attention is fixed on on an object of concern and it wanders away and then you reorient yourself to that object, that's a cognitive function called attentional control. And it's a really important cognitive function for focus and work and productivity because it's slightly different than like, than your ability to sustain focus is slightly different than your ability to move your focus from one locus to another. So you want to try and train both of those. And that's a very complementary training technique, and that's why meditation is extremely effective for promoting cognitive functioning. If you go and you look into the neuroscientific literature, it reorganizes brain structures, improves a range of abilities, and this has now been very well studied with neuroimaging, looking at functional anatomy of the brain as it's changing in meditators. Um, Probably the most, most exciting meditation study I ever saw was done at Harvard Medical School, and it's actually the reason why I started meditating. What they found in this study was that meditation was superior to opioid painkillers for pain management, and not only that, they did uh, what was was called an epigenetic analysis, so they mapped people's genomes, epigenomes. And for those of you who are familiar with epigenetics, epigenetics is like, you, you know you have your helix, um, right, But, uh, you know, each, each sequence of DNA is, actually has a profile of expression. Um, that, that is to say a gene is either on or off. And it's regulated by proteins in your body. And so what they found was that meditators that practice for a certain amount of time, the certain genes for inflammation went from on to off. And that could actually treat things like Crohn's disease, to actually reduce the chances of heart disease, People with chronic pain were getting we're having less pain. And inflammation is like one of the main causes of death straight up. If you go and look into the National Institutes of Health, studies on um, you know, uh, soft tissue, and a, where a lot of cancers begin is actually an entangling of soft tissue fibers as a result of inflammation, toxic stress, cortisol. So the meditation goes upstream from a lot of those problems and addresses them. You know, so i can't recommend it enough um and if you're looking to get into the practice uh and just get started there's so many guided meditations out there totally free and you can just use your finger use your breath and be gentle with yourself um and that's really the best focus training that you can possibly get
0: awesome thank you ben and and again, you know, just like going back to what we were talking about earlier, just like the power of repetition, you know, we do that, you know, you've probably heard this before, but like neurons that fire together, wire together. So, I mean, for everybody listening to this, like, absolutely, like the more you can meditate during the day, the better. And it doesn't have to be something that is like, you know, super, super complex. Like sometimes it literally can just be like bringing your attention to the breath and just like developing that practice of mindfulness. But then. Even getting into the habit of, and and this is something Ben has talked about in his presentations, you know, literally just, like, setting an alarm, like, at the top of each hour and then just taking, you know, like, five mindful breaths in that moment. And you repeat this and you repeat this and you repeat this, and you'll notice that, like, not only does it just, like, benefit your overall mood, but it allows you to get more effective of dropping in to that meditative state. So, I mean, for, for people who are tuned into this broadcast, a lot of you have already been tuned into the regular broadcast that we do every morning, the uh, Waking Up With Wolf. And, and and those, you know, I'm noticing a huge impact from that. I know a lot of people are noticing a huge impact from that. Uh, part of my inspiration behind doing that was also from like the the information that I received from Ben's, Ben's information, Ben's teachings as well. And so really just kind of keeping things simple, but in that simplicity, like just like evolves to, to the complexity that can drastically change your life. And so as we kind of move into the top of the hour for the broadcast, first, I just want to be able to invite people to uh, those of you in the YouTube chat and uh, those of you who are in the Facebook chat as well, please feel free to just drop some comments, leaving some gratitude for Ben and, and we'll read those off on air and as well, get some questions ready that we'll be able to pass on to Ben and he'll be able to answer those. And then near the end of the broadcast, we're actually going to end with a short little guided meditation that Ben's actually going to bring us through. So one of the things that I'm super, super fascinated in, and again, it's kind of the context of this of this podcast, you know, I'm very, very interested in the idea of you know the new frontiers of human evolution, proto-human, homo luminous, the idea of like what is our potential. And so Ben, with like your 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 perspective on things, like understanding like how powerful the brain is to change our body and even just you know the power of beliefs to literally change the anatomy of our being and everything like that allow yourself to just kind of play with this and maybe even just look into the future. But, you know, someone who's like really doing the practice, really doing the work, what could the potential of their human experience look like? And, and maybe that's still something that we're still, you know, that maybe we don't have all the answers to that, but, but where could it, where could it lead us to? Do you think?
1: I think, you know, as individuals, um, we can go a long way with this practice What's kind of one of the things I'm really interested in is um, this uh, like systems, complex systems theory, um, the nonlinear dynamics. The idea is that uh, the sum is greater than its parts, and I think the key thing that has like one of the major barriers in society today is a belief that we are not powerful, that we do not have control over the world around us. Um, but the truth is, when we apply our power to ourselves, that effect actually propagates through the environment around us, like a pebble being dropped into a pond. Um, and those effects are nonlinear and therefore very difficult to perceive for us as humans. And I think that the process of indiv- of individually awakening is extraordinarily important to the macro level of awakening that is occurring. And you know, you talk to a lot of people, you know, and I meet them. They're, you know, they're they're tech they're in tech, they're, you know, in a spiritual practice, they're doing things like paradigm shift, conscious media. Um, you know, they're like nutritionists, yoga teachers, they're they're like parents, kids. You know, I talk to kids that are brilliant and they're like, you know, they're they're optimistic about the world and they have radically different viewpoints. This, you know, so I'm of a mind that the system just, just like the perception of a virus in the body, the corpus, uh, is reacting. The immune system is waking itself up. And it's happening on the level of the individual. But it's important for us, I think, to to recognize and embrace that the work we do on ourselves, that has the most impact on the world. Because we can't make change unless we're ready. And, you know, I really realized this. You know, I was, I was living... Um, I was living on a farm, I was living on a horse farm. It's a great experience actually. It's like caring for horses. I was neuro neurohacking horses. um, And I had this idea for technology, right? Um, And I was like, I I believe, you know, I had all these great ideas, but I knew that I couldn't manifest them because I wasn't capable. Like there were things in me that were wrong. Like I had trauma. I was like selfish in some areas. You know, I wasn't a good listener. I wasn't giving as much as I was getting in relationships and stuff like that. And, you know, I had this day where I realized the only way that I was ever going to be successful is if I considered myself as the solution. You know, all things emerge from me that are good in my life. And so I needed to engineer the system of my own thinking and feeling and being in order to have any sort of effect on the world. And when I adopted that mindset, things started to go pretty well for me. You know, it was only six months after that I launched the startup. And you know now we're we're doing great, but then, you know that process doesn't end, and it's a really unique feeling I have to say. It's something I've noticed lately. You know when you're when you create something, no matter what it is, whether it's a child, whether it's your uh, startup, whether it's a uh, a creative piece of art, whether it's a relationship, that thing is an extension of you. It's a manifestation of you, and in some sense there is contained within that elements of you like a fractal. Um, There are shadows or echoes of you in that. And so when you are good, what you create is good in some sense. And so, like, I think that this spiritual awakening is happening all over the place in individuals, and there's this realization, this, like, restlessness of, like, you know, we don't want a white picket fence. We don't want... Um, a martini with olives and a subservient wife and advertising and TV. Like we want something more for ourselves because you know that was poison. That that was like the 1970s and 80s and or sorry, I guess 50s onwards, of like we needed to be subservient to this consumer's culture. But you know, then Kennedy came around, and he was like, hey, let's go to the moon. And you know, you started to see that that actually more was possible. And you know, I think Elon Musk is another guy who's that can be really inspiring for people. People are starting to realize, like, maybe there's something more than just, like, TV dinners, Um, you know, maybe even just the accomplishment of a great love in your own life or a great love of yourself has meaning, has potential to impact the world. I guess that is what is really changing. I see that in people all the time. Mm -hmm. And yourself, too. Like, yeah, I love the stuff you put together. And it's interesting. I think back to when we first met. I don't know if you remember the night we met. But it was um, outside of a place called Alchemy Junk and it was, uh, it was like a party and I was just walking by and I was like, hey man, what's up? And then you were like just really friendly and you gave me this little button and the button had um, like sacred geometry flower on it. And it was like, it was really interesting because when I was doing my rehabilitation, I was drawing that shape um, as part of my visual spatial rehab. And so as a symbol of healing and great meaning for me. So when you gave it to me, it's like a really a profound feeling of connection. And I think like those moments are, are, are emerging a lot more now, that people are willing to take more risks and be honest and be connected and be you know, spiritual in some sense without being necessarily religious, although I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either
0: yeah i i I do remember that man that was that was definitely a great time And, and then even just like consecutively kind of like running into each other and you like still had the button on your hat and i was just like yes i'm like this guy's doing it man this guy's like taking this idea like into the mainstream and beyond and and yeah man you know like with with kind of uh, just like adding in a couple of my own thoughts like related to this topic, um, I I think it's I think it's very very beautiful to be able to have a conversation like this and just be able to talk about you know what the future looks like, and and I do feel that you know when we allow ourselves to really kind of like you know clear the dirt out of our river to re- kind of like remove the baggage that's been kind of like brought into our system over the years of living in a Western culture, we really do open up into this clarity within our mind and and for me it really brings in this idea of you know Asking the questions about consciousness and and understanding that from one perspective, consciousness is not necessarily something that like resides inside the brain, but I think of the brain as more of like a receiver and then consciousness is kind of like coming into us, not necessarily from outside, kind of from inside. It's just like this holographic hyperdimensional space that we're in, you know, like the the psychedelic experiences will kind of like show, they'll, they'll tell us, they'll whisper the secrets about this. But, you know, in terms of like, just, like, where things are are, are going with this, I, I feel that as we continue to work on ourselves, it allows us to be, like, better receivers of consciousness, and also, like, to be better, you know, we, we're, we're able to kind of, like, align with our destiny, we're able to kind of, like, show up for our purpose, because, like you said, like, our purpose is not just to, you know, like, do the status quo, there's something, there's something more, and when we kind of, like, take reclaim that sovereignty. We're kind of able to more receive like that higher signal and transmit it through our action, through our message, through our love, through our, the way we view ourselves. And and the very powerful thing that I see about this is that the more and more of some of us do this, we're changing the collective field and we're beginning to literally like harmonize as a collective brain, you know, like as a collective neural network as a society, as a culture. And so like that's a, that's you know, when you talk about like the 100th monkey effect and things like that. It it really is this idea that you know, for everybody listening to this like we're experiencing it right now. Like literally everyone who's in this broadcast right now, right now we are on a shared wavelength. We we are synchronizing, we are harmonizing with our thoughts, with our attentions, with our focus. What happens when we apply that to, you know, bigger things? What happens when we just apply that to the simple things in terms of how we show up uh, each and every day? So uh, again, you know, like, do we know exactly what the future looks like? We don't necessarily need to, but but we know that, you know, just by like continuously working on ourself, putting in the work, putting in the effort, releasing the shame, allowing ourselves to receive the guidance from people like Ben to be able to have that instruction is incredibly, incredibly ba- valuable. And it's really Yes, it's an investment for yourself, but it is something that goes much more beyond that. It allows you to step into your potential as an artist, as a creator, as a friend, as a father, as a mother, as an entrepreneur to really, you know, manifest that which you are here to manifest for for yourself. So we deserve it to ourselves to be able to see those blockages as obstacles for us to be able to overcome and and knowing that as we do this, we're able to teach others how to do the same because in today's day and age and culture, there's, there's no one, there's literally no one in Western culture who is who is not, you know, been exposed to some form of like addictive behavior in some way or another. So we need people to lead. We need people to be able to show like what is possible and how we can kind of, you know break through the chains and everything like that. And so again, Ben moving into, uh, you know, the, the, the near end, the near ending of the broadcast, uh, for anybody in the, the live chat, post a question for Ben and put four question marks on the front and the end of your question that way. So we can just see it nice and easily. We'll pass those on. And before we do that, Ben, I want you to just be able to, you know, any sort of like concluding message, call to action that you want to be able to pass on to people as well as just give a little bit more clarity on what your services are and how people can connect with you and what benefits they would be able to receive uh, from that as well. So Ben, go ahead, pass it back to you.
1: I guess my, my, my final message is that we're, we're living in, in a unique time. This is the most important revolutionary time in history We're in the middle of a renaissance right now and you're all part of it. You get to participate in it and your contribution is your choice. And you know, just what was said now is, you know, you just have to show up and showing up means preparing yourself because you may not necessarily know what it is that you have to do. And that was the case for me. Like, I didn't know I was going to start like a video game, mental health tech company um, uh, I stepped into that role because that's what the universe presented to me, but when I, w- when I was ready to step into that role, is was because I put years of work in. And this is, this is your opportunity to be some, part of something amazing. Like, if we're going to become like a, a space-faring civilization, if we're going to create utopia here on Earth, which is possible, then we have to do it together, and we have to do it on the micro-scale of pursuing the depth of our own consciousness, and on the macro scale of being compassionate and being generous and being accepting, not just tolerant, but accepting of other people too. and Recognizing that we are one species, we are one heartbeat of the world that is moving together. And I guess that's all I'll say about that is a lot of poetry, but um, in terms of my services, you know, how it works is you send me an email and you say, hey Ben, You know, I want to accomplish this. I want to get better at that. And then we go through a process of consultation. The program is $600. It happens over the course of two months, as I said. And I usually do two or three weeks extra um, just to kind of consult. So, yeah, that's the program. You start out. You go through the cognitive testing, through the customization, optimization, facilitation. And then we test again. And these are cognitive batteries from top cognitive neuroscientists in the world. I actually work with them at Western. Um, brilliant people. So when we have the results of your program, you know it works because we just measured it. Um, and you know, you'll know you see a lot of coaching services out there that are like uh, life coaching, and they're usually twice as expensive, and they don't really care to measure anything. Um, so I think what I offer is pretty, is pretty valuable. And I know it seems like a high price tag. That's just because it takes a lot of time for me to uh, design and specialize the program to each individual. Like I said, I'm not in a factory stamping pills that I'm just like feeding you. Um, like I want you to be empowered, and you know, all the people I work with, I still talk to them. Um, you know, like they they've become my friends because I care. I truly care about their success and them getting to their goals. And if I feel like you don't, then you're gonna get a refund because, uh, like, I don't believe in, in you know, taking people's money—they're uh, not going to get exactly what they need from that from that service. It's—it's it's not a trivial thing for me. It is very important. So, if you are interested in getting some neural hacking, uh, unfortunately, I don't have too many slots for clients right now. So, uh, you'll want to be quick in sending uh, sending out an email because I only have about two slots right now. But if you are interested, I'd be happy to work with you. Um, also. If you're interested in supporting our work in mental health technology, which has the potential to revolutionize mental health care, um, to empower millions, maybe even billions of people someday, um, you know, there's, opp- there's going to be opportunities for you to donate uh, soon. So please do follow us on Twitter, follow our Facebook, drop a comment, just be like, hey guys, love what you're doing because, you know, we got volunteers that are working for us because they believe in this stuff um you know it's really motivating for them to know that we have the community support so all that stuff really helps and you know like i said um if you want to get some neurohacking going let's do it it'll be fun and uh just reach out if you have any questions too if you just want to chat like i'm a really friendly person um so just like reach out and yeah thanks so much for your attention and this has been an amazing conversation
0: awesome Thank you, Ben. And for people who want to be able to get in touch with them, they can find your email on the Motivate website. I imagine that's yeah, that so, be the so place.
1: You, you just fill out the contact form. Uh, you can find me Ben at Motivate.io. It's a great way to get a hold of me. Ben at TrueFocus.ca also works. Um, or you can you know reach out to me on Facebook. Um, it's Facebook slash uh, TF Neuro or Facebook forward slash motivate studios
0: multiple studios right and that's motivate spelled m-o-t-i-v the number eight and then studios and the website is m-o-t-v-m sorry m-o-t-i-v-8 dot i-o and uh ben also has uh his personal instagram and so if you're just looking to even just connect with him there that that uh, ben do, do do you do you give permission for people to just be able to reach out to you through instagram does that work too Slide into the DM, I don't care. Yeah, slide um, into DM. There you go.
1: It's electric monkey with a three for the E at the end there. And um, it's also a great place if you like music. I play piano and I sing. If you just want to tune in and uh, listen to some tunes, that's cool too. Um, you know, like I'm of a mindset that uh, when I create, I create generously, so it is for you guys. Um, so please do tune in and hang out.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And, and Ben, I know, uh, we're, we're going to get into the questions there in a second. I did just want to actually, uh, backpedal a bit because, uh, we talked about, uh, you know, again, like the future of mindfulness and video games and technology and I wanted to just like even just take like five more minutes just to go a little bit deeper in that again uh, me and Ben we've been having a good time hanging out at our local uh, friends startup business Arcadia, which is a virtual reality lounge and and there's a lot of like entrepreneurs and like super super amazing people who are gathering in this space who are on the same wavelength of really you know working towards this technoculture future and 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 merging technology and mindfulness and and I've been working on like you know three sixty VR meditations, and and there's some other top secret stuff that that you've been working on, stuff like that. Well, what what can you tell us in terms of just a little bit about like virtual reality video games and and any of that related to mindfulness and neurohacking?
1: It's it's so astoundingly exciting that it's hard for me to describe it in, in an encapsulated way, but it's like. Taking thousands of years of, of practice and meditation and knowledge and, and spirituality, condensing it into a singularity and putting it in this virtual medium that's consumable and accessible at the point of entry rather than, you know, you're not going to spend 10,000 hours meditating. We want to bring you to, to, a, to a level of spiritual awareness and, and also physical and mental well being um, in the most fun most exciting, most engaging way, that's like faster, it's more precise, we can measure everything. And this technology, you know, over time, the trend of technology is that it becomes more decentralized, it becomes cheaper, it becomes more powerful, it becomes more ubiquitous. And you know, we're moving toward, you know, VR is the first, it's the first iteration as we're as we're delving into this world of imagination, but eventually we're gonna superimpose that world of imagination onto physical reality. And then the next step is we're actually going to change physical reality to match our what we're able to imagine, uh, and that's going to be in our lifetime. Um, so you know when I talk about a renaissance, you know it's it's a spiritual renaissance, it's a technological renaissance, and it's going to be like super fun and exciting, and it's not going to be like a it's going to be a bloodless revolution, or at least that's what I hope is that it'll be a revolution of loving kindness. Uh, so that's I how I feel about the tech.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm super excited about it, uh, again, just in terms of just being able to utilize and, I mean, you know, ca- call it singularity, call it what you will, but I mean, there is an amazing opportunity in terms of just being able to utilize, you know, the, the video game interface, the style of just kind of the context to be able to bring in, especially in today's youth and, and even just, you know, giving people that, that additional way of being able to interface and it's super, super exciting. And yeah, like I, maybe we'll have to do another another talk a little bit later on, you know, as things really begin to unfold in, in that end. So moving into uh, the questions and, and Ben, thank you again. Uh, for people who left some comments earlier, uh, let me just take a moment here to be able to scroll up on the youtube uh people were just saying thank you so much super grateful uh uh, that was from kayla devon says you remind me of a cross between a young joe dispenza and dr amon of the amon clinics very fun thorough and experimental and uh (laughs) that's quite the compliment (laughs) so awesome awesome and uh again just lots of other gratitude being expressed uh angela on the facebook much love and gratitude to you both thank you angela and so moving on to uh yes thank you everyone moving on to a couple questions uh devon said uh i was wondering if he assesses people with machines in brackets neurologically or eyes or mostly psychologically and in a life coach kind of manner and and you kind of already you kind of already answered that. And most, most of it is what you're like, you could literally just do it like over the, over the phone, over the, over video chat and go, go ahead it, Ben. Yeah. So there's, that's a really good
1: question. First of all. So thank you for that. Um, now we have two forms. I have two forms of assessment that I do. One is a qualitative assessment, which is like, Hey, how are you feeling? Um, and also what are your goals? Which is like more from a coaching kind of psychotherapeutic uh, lens, And then I also use cognitive assessment batteries Uh, and what they do is they kind of break intelligence down into components. Those components are differentiated by function and then those are measured in a gamification way. Uh, The technology that I use is called Cambridge Brain Sciences. Uh, I'm also excited to say we're acquiring a license and we're going to have our own cognitive battery technology that's going to be exclusive to Motivate, that's very exciting. Yeah. So that's how we measure. And then we, and depending on, we can also do emotional intelligence assessments, although they're very expensive. They're like 150 bucks uh, to get the full battery. So I usually kind of do a little bit of a hacky, uh, like sliding scale, uh, just for myself. Um, just like some of the standard questions you would find in a, in a psychological assessment. Great question.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Sweet. Thank you, Ben. Next question from Kayla. She asks, are affirmations as important as meditation to reframe? And does that make sense? Is that enough?
1: Yeah, are, that's, that's a yeah. good question too. So I would say that an affirmation is a meditation, um, first of all. And I think that uh, having both is, is never going to hurt you. Um, making sure that your affirmations are your own. Is uh, an important tip. So you gotta have the one that's gonna really impact you the most. Um, and then I also suggest, and this is something uh, I do for myself, and I recommend for those who are uh, really trying to change their mindset, is you write down, if you like journal, and then you kind of circle the words you don't, that you don't like, that you know are kind of negatively influencing you. Make a list of them, and then write a, a superior word, and you cross that other word out. And then write an even more superior positive word and cross that other one out. And you kind of go through this process of iterative evolutionary design of your ideal affirmations and like play around with it. Have fun and, uh, you know, anchor yourself to them and use use them as much as possible. So that's a good question.
0: Awesome. Sweet. And if there are any other questions, now is the time, just as uh, we take a few moments here to get close to wrapping it up. And currently, those were the only two questions, but excellent questions nonetheless. So thank you, everyone, again. And uh, just kind of, again, you know, just like my, uh, let's see. Let me just see if I can boil down a, a quick question here. Um, hmm. Ben, what, what, would you, what would you tell... Uh, Hmm. Let me just think here. Let me just double check. Okay. no other questions. All right. Um, if you were talking to like someone who is, uh, hmm, who's like a 16 year old who's spending all their days like on video games and doesn't really see like much else to, to their life, would you have a message for them?
1: That's like the one of the toughest possible clients, toughest possible questions. Um, you know, I would, And even this sometimes won't work, but you'll propose the question, what if you were sitting in a room with no lights, no windows, no doors, would you want to just be in that room playing that game for all time? Um, And the answer is usually no. If the answer is yes, then you've just identified there's a problem. Um, But if the answer is no, then you kind of ask what would you rather do? What's the version of yourself that you'd like to believe in? And And when you're at that age, it's a tough question to answer because your identity is in flux. But I would say push yourself outside your comfort zone and explore um, because it's gonna it's gonna reward you in ways that the games just can't. And I'm a guy who's little literally designing games uh, to make you feel better. Um, so pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, taking on challenges that are uncomfortable, and being okay with discomfort, being okay with Failure is actually a really good thing because it makes you tougher, and not in the not in the macho way though, like more resilient. And the other thing I like to say is, um, sorry about that. Um, the other thing I like to say is, would you rather be in control or out of control? And is the game controlling you or are you controlling the game? Which is more, which is more masculine? Which is often a like a kind of an action hero question. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, then they think about it and they're like, well, yeah, it's compulsive. Right. So they don't feel like they're in control. And that's when that awareness, like you just developed a system of awareness that never existed. So um, that's one that I like to use.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, again, you know, we, we were kind of talking about this before and, and just moving things up and we'll switch into the meditation and wrap up the broadcast. I think, with a lot of this dialogue it's important for us as leaders as as the audience to be able to have the foresight of of knowing what's possible and then to be able to relay that message of hope for other people and 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 I think again you know for the people who who may just kind of be like stuck in their phones and everything like that what they need is they need a new story they need a new context and what we can actually do is actually like frame it around the the things that they enjoy about video games but invite them to be able to be like the hero of their journey and to be able to understand that like they can level up their skills and that's where again you know i i talk about this all the time with like the broadcast that we do you know i'm talking about the doing the meditation it's like guys if we keep doing this we're going to keep like unlocking our abilities to like develop our intuition develop like be open to receiving more synchronicity to be able to tap into more telepathy to be able to expand more awareness within the dream space so again so i think for the people who may be kind of like stuck in that old narrative it's just because they haven't been told of something different so we can kind of show them that like there is more there is something incredibly exciting than just like playing you know like the same video game over and over and over again and it's this life like this life is like the realest and most rewarding video game experience that we could think of hashtag simulation reality experience or whatever. So (laughs) anyways, uh, Ben, if you have any other thoughts on that and let's just end it off with a closing message and we'll go right into our meditation.
1: Yeah, I guess the closing message is this kind of like cool visualization to what you're saying that I like is, I like to think of the ideas in my mind as kind of this cloud of information that's outside of my mind. What I like is that I kind of like create this cloud and then I actually connect with it in a way that it's like symbiotic with me, so I've like created a, a meta architecture of information that I'm actually using to amplify myself cybernetically just by sitting in a chair and thinking. Um, like to me, that's just so cool. It's like a it's like a Star Wars like Boba Fett implant or something. Um, but anyway, uh, so <laughs> that's enough of that, and um, I'll um, I'll go into a meditation. But I get there's a couple different <clears throat> excuse me a couple different options. I was thinking about what might be best. I think I'd like to do uh, a healing meditation, which is one I don't often do, but it's it's for chronic pain, uh, for relaxation, and for promoting a healing response in the body. It's also fantastic for relaxing if you can want to go to sleep, which a lot of people probably will be soon. So with that, um, I'll just get right into it, and I'll ask you just to find yourself in the most Possible relaxed position. Maybe you're sitting in a chair at home. If you're lying in bed or on the couch, just taking a moment to take stock of sensation of comfort. You're sitting in your chair, your couch, in your bed. Kind of allowing yourself to fully perceive the softness where your body is touching and moving your awareness into the feeling of gravity as it's drawing you gently to the center of the earth. I'll ask you to move your awareness to the bottom of your feet. Feeling a sensation your socks, maybe the floor, taking stock of all the points of contact in the peaks and valleys of your foot's curvature, really noticing where it's touching the floor, noticing where it isn't. Moving your attention now to the top of your feet. Feeling how the top of your feet are more sensitive than the bottom, so are not walking around on them maybe noticing the temperature of the air in the room, or the feeling of your clothing that's enveloping your feet. Now moving your attention to your calves, giving your calves just a little bit of a flex, and then allowing them to relax. Feeling like maybe do that a couple times, and with each time, feeling like there's a wave of warm relaxation. It's flowing from your knees down towards your ankles. So your calves are feeling more and more relaxed. And moving your attention now to your thighs, quads. Maybe noticing sensation of clothing against your skin again. Yeah. Feeling warm, it's feeling soft, it's feeling a little bit itchy. Just allowing yourself to take stock of the sensation in your legs. Maybe giving your legs just a tiny little bit of a flex and allowing them to relax. each breath in and out, feeling a wave of warm relaxation flowing through your muscles. Maybe noticing any tension in your body. That's okay. Just allow yourself to notice the tension as we breathe in. Imagining a healing wave, Ah, a little bit of a sigh as it flows over the point of tension. Feeling that relaxation flowing from the top of your head down to your toes. Now, I want you to imagine there's an orb of glowing light hovering in front of your body. I want you to imagine that with each in-breath, the orb moves from your toes up to the crown of your head, bathing you in healing light. And as you exhale, feeling as it's washing away any tension, any negative feelings you might be having. So it's squishing it down towards your feet where it leaks into the floor, never to return. Imagining this orb of healing light scanning and healing every cell in your body, taking just a few minutes to imagine as it moves over your body, gently bathing you in healing light, warmth, comfort. the sensation of love emanating from the orb, I want you to imagine each in-breath filling the brim, maybe a rose pink color of love. As it descends over your body on the out-breath, saturating every muscle, every bone, Every cell in your body, compassionate love. Feeling as it's giving you a sense of self acceptance, realizing you're not perfect, self love, realizing that you're worthy of this meditation. Now I want you to imagine you're standing on a beach. You can hear the roar of waves crashing against the shore. You can smell salt in the warm air that's flowing over your skin, tussling your hair. You're feeling the sun. It's tickling your skin with radiant warmth. Imagining turning your arms, forearms up toward the sun, feeling it's saturating your skin with warmth, nice vitamin D. I want you to imagine you're standing at the edge of the shore. And as the waves come in, so too does your breath rise. And as the waves recede into the great ocean, so too does your breath exhale. Each breath in the ocean gathering around your feet and ankles with warmth and out, feeling as the ocean is absorbing any tension you might be feeling in your body. Breathing in. Letting out a little bit of a sigh. One more time. Uh, feeling that sense of relaxation. The ocean is absorbing any point of tension. I want you just to think something you're grateful for today it doesn't need to be a big thing, it doesn't have to be a small thing, something that you appreciate adds value to your life. See if you can grasp on to that feeling of gratefulness. Try to push that feeling deeper, turning your gratefulness up like a knob on a radio in your mind. As though you're trying to emanate gratefulness from your heart in waves. taking a moment now just to thank yourself for taking the time to do this meditation recognizing that you deserve it, that you're taking care of yourself by doing it, feeling that sense of gratefulness for yourself and standing up for yourself, taking care. Now taking a minute just to reflect on this meditation to be with your breath Whenever you're ready, in your own time, returning to the room you're in, opening your eyes.
0: Thank you very much ben
1: my pleasure
0: awesome so yeah just as everyone kind of slowly makes their way back to this dimension <laughs> please feel free in joining me and once again just expressing our gratitude for ben for being not only a guest but our first guest on leading the shift A new series here within the Paradigm Shift Central Project. Looking forward to being able to have many more exciting individuals from the community here to be able to share their stories, their inspiration, and their service. Again, we are here to provide you with insightful and inspirational discussions to help you activate into your potential and step into your self-mastery. So allow this inspiration from this broadcast to be something that you can weave into your everyday life. Again, just reminding you of how you can cultivate practice, cultivate your focus through regular practice, encouraging regular mindfulness techniques, and of course, reaching out for Ben if you have any questions, and if you would like to chat more and receive more that he has to offer through his services, so awesome, Ben. Any any closing thoughts, or again, even just use this as a moment to just be able to express a gratitude to the people who tune into this, and any closing words.
1: Yeah, just sending out my love to all of you, and just have an amazing night, amazing sleep, and uh, keep being the great people that you are. And I uh, hope to talk to you soon. And thanks so much for having me on. This was a really fun, amazing conversation
0: awesome yes yeah, so and now it is archived for millions and millions of years the aliens in the future will listen to this and they shall know your name so that's the idea cool <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again, everyone, for being here. My name is Brendan, aka Skull Babylon, Mystic Spider-Man. This has been Leading the Shift, Episode 1 with Ben Switzer, Neurohacker. Join us again for more episodes of Leading the Shift and letting you know that the next episode, Episode 2, will be riding on the same wavelength as this as we bring on our next guest, who will be Nathaniel Solace, who is another friend of mine who is totally into the self-mastery and the mindfulness. So let's keep adding on from one broadcast to the next. So be sure to join us back here again. Again, be sure to check out Ben's website at motivate.io. The E is an eight and same on Facebook and Instagram.com forward slash electric monkey. The last E is a three. And of course you can check out more at paradigmshiftcentral.com. A huge shout out and special thank you to everyone for being here. Bonus shout out to the Patreon supporters for helping make this and more broadcast possible. If you enjoy the value that we are creating here, be sure to check out patreon.com forward slash Brendan Sign up with a donation monthly donation of your choice get your 25 percent discount code for items at questitemshop.com where you can get light guardian crystals free hug signs and shift buttons the very same one that i gave to ben many many moons ago and now here we are so planting those seeds and of course be sure to subscribe at youtube.com forward slash skull check out this and other podcast recordings by looking up Paradigm Shift Radio on iTunes or just going to ParadigmShiftCentral.com and you'll see the link for the MP3s there as well. And be sure to follow me at Mystic Man on Instagram and join in for our daily meditation practice. And, and we'll be able to continue to work on this together. So Ben, thanking you again and join me in saying farewell, much love and until next time to everybody who has been joining us here tonight. So thank you again, everyone. We love you. Right. Go team. All right, much love. Awesome. shout out to our friend danny leonardo whose music is featured at the beginning and ending of this podcast be sure to check out more of her stuff in the links for the youtube video thank you danny